This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. I hope you're keeping well at the moment in what appears to be a period of deja vu. Now over this strange period of time, especially right at the start, back in March, April time, I spoke with various England fans about their first England away game. We went to the likes of Ukraine, South Africa, Munich, Athens, amongst plenty of others. And in this episode, we'll visit another country, going back to 2008 this time. That's coming up very soon, and as always, you are more than welcome to contribute. Just drop me a line. What was your first away day? Where did you go? Who did you go with? Who did you meet? What was the score? Although sometimes it's not always about the football. But it's all these little things that make us keep coming back for more. And especially at this present time. And it's why we all miss it so much. We also ran a feature on England fans from foreign shores. If you follow the three lines from overseas, once again, get in touch. Let us know your experiences. Now, thank you very much for tuning in to the last episode. That was the one where we spoke with True Colours author John Devlin about the New England Threads. And also to Chad Thomas about his trip to Iceland. Got lots of great reaction to that one. So again, thank you very much as always. Got some exciting news with regards to how you can now listen to the podcast going forward. Well, excited me anyway. Uh, But if you have one of those Alexa devices or the like, you can now ask it to play the podcast. As it is now available on Amazon Music. So if you have an account with them, why not give it a review? just to get it started. Or you can do the same on the likes of iTunes if you haven't done already. Alexa, play Three Lions Podcast. Getting Three Lions Podcast from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. There you go. A bit of fun. Novelty. Why not give it a whirl? Uh, Player-wise, since the last episode, obviously we've had a couple of weeks now of the Premier League, few England players have been doing well especially some of the youngsters I'm sure you've seen. But Michael Keane, who returned to the squad for Iceland and Denmark, well, he scored twice for Everton. Harry Kane and Danny Ings have also got a few too. But as I said, it's the youngsters who are exciting me. Eddie Nketiah of Arsenal, Dominic Calvin-Lewin of Everton, Jude Bellingham of Borussia Dortmund. They're all scoring and they're all being given opportunities by their respective clubs on the big stage. I really hope to tie up a chat with a blogger about the youth that we have at the moment, just to get that little bit more insight. And hopefully that will come very soon. Okay then, let's go back in time a little bit with another of your first England away games. Now this one was recorded a while back, just when football was restarting back in May. (music) 
Now we're back once again doing one of our Your First England Away games. And this time we're speaking to Bristol-based Daniel Payne. Daniel. Hello, Russell. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, contemplating whether I should tune into German football this afternoon. Uh, wondering how desperate it's going to get. Yeah, I'm, I'm still in, in two minds as to the whole football restarting in, in Germany or football starting in general, really. Uh, it's not the same without fans for me. Don't no. Think, don't think it's anywhere near the same sort of spectacle when you, when you have no one there. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll probably watch a bit of it later. I'll probably give in. Yeah, well, well, funnily enough, one of the or the opposition that we're going to speak about in a moment uh, was a, an opposition that England, in fact, played behind closed doors with no fans recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few of my friends still managed to go out to that, although I did give it a swerve, I must admit. Well, go on then. Tell us, take us back to your first England away game. What was it? Where was it? Where did you go? Yeah, so um, my first England away game was actually Croatia 2008. Uh, so I think, I believe it was maybe the second game of that qualifying campaign. We had Andorra, I think, at home on the weekend before, and then we played in Zagreb the midweek. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I was at uni. I'd just finished my second year, and I'd been going to watch um, Man United a couple of times in Europe. I definitely got the bug for travelling, and I wanted to do it with England as well. I remember right. at the time I was trying to get some friends from home to come to the game with me. I couldn't find any willing participants. I guess at the time we were all as well pretty poor because we were all university students, so we were living yeah. on a budget most of the time. Well, I was really keen. I was really keen to go. I joined the travel club and managed to get a ticket to this game. I hadn't planned any travel. I hadn't figured out how I was going to get there, where I was going to fly from. And it was really sort of in the like pre Facebook was just starting up at the time. And I remember going onto Facebook, going onto a England fans group and just basically putting a post on there asking, was there anyone organizing a trip? Okay. And were came you successful? Ac- yeah. Came across this guy um, from Staines and he was saying that he was going to rent a car from a airport called Balaton, which is in Hungary, I believe. Right. And, he was going to drive down from Balaton. It was only about two hours from Zagreb. So did I want to join on? Uh, <laughs> I remember thinking my only exposure to stains was Ali G. And <laughs> yes. Didn't know how trustworthy this, uh, this guy was. <laughs> and he wanted me to send him a check in the post. Like, this, this really takes me back now thinking about it, but yeah, I, I sent him the check and it was all completely kosher. Mm. I ended up actually meeting him in stains and he drove us both to Stansted. So when we got to Stansted, he also had a few others on the trip. I remember there were um, three lads from the Midlands. There was two Birmingham City fans, one Villa, and then there was another fan from Ch- Charlton as well, Croydon he was from. And they were all going to get in this uh, car that we were going to travel down from Balaton to Zagreb. The car itself was a squeeze. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, 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 a couple of the Birmingham lads were a bit rotund, and they... <laughs> They said to us when we got to the airport that one of their mates was, was supposed to be a fourth one of their number. So the three Midlands lads were together. Uh, but he, well, thankfully, in hindsight, had um, got ill the morning of the trip and didn't come down. How we'd have all got into that car otherwise, I have no idea. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this this was the game. 
that, that people will recognise as being Walcott's hat trick. But it was a England had played Croatia previously in the this was the Euro two thousand and eight unsuccessful campaign. We played them twice, home and away, lost home and away, and this was the third game. Uh, this was the as you say the World Cup qualifying game, and. I've been to Croatia before, but I've been to Dubrovnik, I've been to Split, but I've never been to Zagreb. It almost sounds a bit gritty to me, Zagreb, even the, even the name. Um, what, what was Zagreb like? Yeah, I'm glad you bring up that first game, actually, because there was quite a lot of trouble, as I recall, at the, the first game where we lost 2-0 yeah. in, in the previous qualifying campaign. This was um, the one where... Um, Gary Neville own goal, wasn't it? Yeah. And Paul, Rob- yeah, Paul Robinson miskicked right. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because that was one of the reasons I was keen to go as well, because it was it was a bit of a nadir for England. Why well, it felt like a nadir, I have to say, in 2008 when we didn't qualify. Yeah. Obviously, we've had some other low points since then. But I remember thinking, I want to get on to this now because this, this is, you know, maybe probably can't get any worse than this. <laughs> and uh, it'll be a good journey up to the World Cup, basically. And Zagreb, like you said, was it was a colourful city, I would right. say. Yeah, um, I was reading about it before I went about the trouble that happened in the previous game, and I remember thinking, "Yeah, I'll have to keep my wits about me." Again, I was naive to all this sort of thing. Uh, luckily, the lads I went with in the, um, on the trip were a lot more streetwise than I was at the time, and um, had a bit more sense about them, so they kind of took me under their wing in some respects. Uh, we drove into Zagreb. I can remember the first thing I remember was how many beautiful women there were everywhere. Right, like, yeah. it just it just seemed every time you turned a corner, it was it was very sunny because it was in September, so it was still great weather there. There was lots of um, women out and about, and the the Birmingham lads um, had this phrase where they'd say every time they saw an attractive woman, they'd say slice. Oh, right. <laughs> which which I'd never heard before, and in their accent, which I'm not going to try and replicate, was was very funny. And at one point we turned a corner in the car and one of them said to one of his friends, oh my God, there's an entire pizza over there. <laughs> which, which always, uh, to this day, I still I still remember it and it sticks in my head. It's uh, a new one on me, slice. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. We got to the, um, the hostel that we were staying in and checked into our room, no bother. Had a balcony and a little pool, I think, if I remember correctly. Result. When we got downstairs, there was a second group of lads that were informing us that they'd also booked into our room. Um, <laughs> but uh, the hostel just double booked everyone, basically, thinking right. that some of the England fans wouldn't turn up. I don't know. or Obviously, just have to make a quick buck, I suspect. And they ended up putting up this other group of lads just in the front room, like in the reception area of the hostel. So <laughs> That could have been you. It could have been us, but there, but for the grace of God, went us. Yeah, we yeah. Um, we just managed to beat them by 30 minutes, I think. So what I mean, you got there um, trouble free, and and you you mentioned that there was a bit of trouble in that previous game in two thousand and six. Did you experience any trouble this time around? I personally didn't, although some of the lads at the at the hotel, like, I don't think it was the same lads that double booked, but there was another group there, and they were um, debating whether they should go out in replica tops or not, which mm. I. Remember thinking at the time, like, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. But I suppose it's up to you. I wasn't. I've never really been particularly big into replica tops, to be honest, unless it's one of those classic ones that people tend to wear yeah. in tournaments. But they went to the game, and I remember when we came back from the game, they 
a couple of them had been attacked on the way back, and uh, one of them was covered in blood, sort of Terry Butcher style, oh with a towel, with, yeah, with a towel wrapped around his head. Uh, so, I personally didn't witness any trouble. The Croatian people were absolutely lovely to us. Yeah, and so how how soon or how far in advance were you there before the game? Yeah, we got there the day before. So yeah, flew into the ballot on on the on the Tuesday. I think I think the game was a Wednesday. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So we the day of the game we were drinking in this big square really sunny you know classic everyone's got their tops off because it's england and it's yeah. a bit of bit of warm weather and i can remember getting very very drunk uh <laughs> during the day and i was i was a lightweight at that point to be honest um i remember thinking i needed to, to um go to the toilet and try and sort myself out I ended up falling asleep on the uh, cubicle for a couple of hours. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Awful, <laughs> awful. <laughs> and, um, uh, when I when I, I I'd lost track of time, and when I got back, it was really in before the days of smartphones and using yeah. your phone abroad. So the the group of friend, the group of people that I travelled with, had moved tables. I managed to find them, and they were accusingly asking me where I'd been for the last two hours. Um, <laughs> to, for, for my sins, I made up. Uh, terrible lie saying that i've been trying to chat to one of the girls in the in the bar beforehand one of those slices yeah yeah one of those pizza slices yeah (laughs) and uh they saw right through me called me called me out on it and uh i was like yeah no you're completely right i've just been i'm just far too drunk so (laughs) (laughs) yeah it wasn't wasn't my uh finest moment i i will say that i have got better but uh, (laughs) maybe my friends will say not that much (laughs) so the ground there it's the the stadion maximia and I, I've seen it um, on the telly a few times and, and since the game. I always find it a bit of a strange ground, this one, because the, the stands are so high up, they don't or they don't appear to, to come down to like the touchline area. Yeah, so that actually is my first impression of it was completely that as well. Right. One none of the stands were joined to any of the other stands. So they were all four independent stands, which you don't really get in the UK, I'd no, say. No, right. Certainly now with the sort of Lego rent-a-kit stadiums that everyone seems to have these days. And I can remember there was a massive running track around the pitch as well. It tends to be, I think, with a lot of these Eastern European countries that we play or even in the Balkans that they have these sorts of pitches. Yeah. Especially back then before there was a lot of revamped ones. My abiding memory of the stadium was how far back we were from the goal. There was a lot of England fans there. I feel like we've travelled a lot more in those days when I used to, when I started going. And the, every Croatian fan in there and seemed to um, have a replica top on, so the colour was just really sort of vibrant because it's right. such a such a sort of like a classic strip, isn't it? The red that, and that checkerboard, checkered one. Yeah. So I can remember they. They were very colourful. They were all very vocal. It was, um, again, one of only my third or fourth experience of foreign crowds, and they were much louder than we would have been at home, especially as the game wore on and they were behind. They were still very vocal. I can remember, I can remember that very distinctly. Yeah. I, um, as, as we were just saying um, before we, we started the recording, I, I personally can't remember how I saw this game because it wasn't actually shown on either the BBC or ITV. It was it was on Satanta, and I was trying to remember whether I saw it on Satanta, whether I watched it in the pub, or whether I 
just remember the highlights of the game on on be it BBC or ITV later on in in the evening. But it is obviously remembered as the Walcott hat trick game. What was the the game like for you? I mean, what, what did people think of of Walcott being in the uh, in the team? Because obviously he was so young at the time. I don't think he was as maligned then as he has become subsequently, because he'd been chosen by Sven, hadn't he, in the 2006 squad without having yes. played a minute for the national team. And it was still only a couple of years after that. And I think we were still thinking that he was going to be a big sort of star, possibly, in the English game because he was at Arsenal and he was a young talent. He was an electric pace. Yeah. Very, very exciting player on the very few occasions that he managed to perform. Yeah, thankfully, this is one of those nights. Yeah, he, uh, so he got his hat trick. It was uh, the 20, 26 minutes for the first one. Went in one nil. Came out. He got another one. Wayne Rooney got a, a goal, and then Theo got his his hat trick. Um, I think was it Mandzukic scored um, yes, yeah. for for Croatia, and and they were actually down. They went down to ten men as well. Yeah. No. Yeah. That that um, I think that was the real turning point. I think going into the game, we weren't that confident, if I'm honest, because they had turned us over in the last qualifying campaign in both the matches. Mm. I, I remember them being quite good at Wembley as well, even though they had nothing to play for that night. So we were very apprehensive about the game. I think it was quite cagey. We should have had a penalty, I think, if I recall rightly as well. But the the first Walcott goal, mistake by the defender, coming to his path and he's just drilled it bottom, bottom corner across the keeper. That's very right, it was from an angle, wasn't it? Very good goal. Then they had the red card and pretty much straight up so in the second half pretty much straight after the red card he scored again it was a carbon copy finish but I think the build-up to that goal was a lot better like we really passed it around well got to the yeah. edge of the area and he's he, he slammed it in at that point really you're thinking yeah job done we can make sure we get the three points from this match Rooney scores as well um Mandzukic gets the gets the sort of consolation for them really and then we ended up winning 4-1 with Walcott um, breaking at the end. It was a yeah. bit surreal in the ground. We were absolutely ecstatic. Again, you, you think, looking back now, were national teams thought of quite highly at the time. It wasn't thought of uh, in the same way because we'd missed out on Austria and um, Switzerland in the summer. Yeah, true, true. It was, I guess, the start of of getting things back on track, I guess, really. Um, it was interesting. I mean, obviously, Mandzukic scored that night and he, he scored, what was it, 10, 10 years later in the uh, in the semi-final, didn't he? Yeah, don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. We, we have played them quite a bit, really, when you think yeah. about it over, over the years. Um, again, like you said, had them in the Nations League as well recently. Yeah. So, yeah. No, so, um, what, what was it like after the game, then do we kept behind? Were the the um, were the Croats all right with you? Yeah, they, I, like I never had any problems um, with any of the Croatians whilst I was there. We got kept behind for a bit. Everyone was very jovial. We won the game. It was a really big moment because that was the team that we had to beat in the qualifying campaign to finish first and make sure that we qualified. Yeah, I think there then was a big buzz. I can remember thinking as well, and looking back now, I think that stands the test of time that Fabio Capello taking us over was. A massive deal. Like he was a world international renowned manager who'd had success wherever he went. And this was possibly the start of something beautiful, not the start of something leading to Algeria. <laughs> but when we when we left the ground, 
there was a massive police presence, presumably because of the trouble that had happened in the last game. And we had an escort essentially all the way back from the ground into town, which I can remember being quite a walk. Unfortunately, those um, lads that were in our hotel uh, managed to find some home fans or they found them. And But aside from that, absolutely no problems. I couldn't speak highly enough of the Croatians on and off the pitch. Good stuff. Um, and then... I mean, to, to follow the 4-1 up, um, we then beat them 5-1 at home at Wembley the following year, didn't we? I, I believe that sealed the qualification as well to South Africa, if I remember. I think like, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was a really good campaign for us. Um, it's funny you mentioned Satanta, actually, because I, I wouldn't have remembered it was Satanta that showed the game. But I do remember there was a game in that qualifying campaign that wasn't shown, if I remember rightly. Did not the Ukraine game in 2009 not be... It wasn't yeah, on television, was it? I believe so. This was the one where I think you could either dip into it on a uh, on a dodgy website or I actually saw this one at the cinema. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I've, I've still got my cinema ticket um, for that one. Yeah, yeah, I think it was shown at, at various or a, a particular brand of cinema. Somewhere I think across. Satanta went... Um, bus during the season and they'd obviously bought rights to the away England games so there was, yeah. a, there was a gap just for this one game and because we'd already won every single match up until that point I don't think there were many willing buyers of that match Yeah and there was I mean you mentioned Satanta and you mentioned Andorra earlier there was a game I don't know if you went to this one but away to Andorra where uh, where the England fans were quite vocal about Satanta and they, they <laughs> yeah. kept having to mute the sound I think, by all accounts. Yeah, definitely remember that, yeah, watching <laughs> it on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you've you've been part of the England following um since since then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I had for a couple of years after that I still had the similar problem where I couldn't get mates from home interested into it. I definitely had the bug at this yeah. point. I mean you can't get much better result than 4-1 away to Croatia. I think it was the first time they'd ever lost in that stadium as well, actually. So right. it was a really good result for England. I started, um, the next game I went to was, I think, from away from home anyway, was um, Switzerland in the next qualifying campaign, which we won. And then I started to go a lot more regularly after that. Uh, so it really wrapped up, I'm sure some of your viewers will be pleased to note that it really wrapped up in 2014 when after David Boys led Manchester United to a non-European finish. I had a lot more free holidays and money to spend <laughs> on, on, go, on going to the match. So yeah. I, started, I started doing it pretty much every game from that point on, really. Good stuff. Good. And obviously this year not happening. Um, what, what are your thoughts? What, what did you think we were capable of? And do you think we're still capable of doing it next year? That's a really good question. Um. Tournament football is essentially cup football. Anything can happen. I think the team is better than it was going into 2018. But the 2018 team benefited from a really nice run to the semi-final. And from, I think we took teams by surprise because we changed the way we played in Russia to what we've been playing previously. And we were very you know, dynamic and energetic around the pitch. Yeah. Home advantage, you know, you'd hope it would count for something and that we would be able to use Wembley. People say that the atmosphere there is not great. It'll be completely different for a tournament game. I think we were talking before the recording about Euro 96. I mean, yes, it was so different 
the experiences that I have going to those Euro 96 games to normal qualifiers or friendlies. It's, it's a completely different animal. So with a bit of luck, you know, maybe, maybe we can go far in the tournament. I, I've got this horrible feeling that, you know, Dublin could be our graveyard because that's a point where we could meet one of the very good teams in the, in the tournament. And I suspect the locals, they'll be very keen for us to exit on their turf. Yes, very, very true. But, uh, you know, never stranger things have happened. Uh, we could, uh, well, you never know who could come out of that other group, couldn't you? Exactly, yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have thought that uh, we, the the draw wound up the way it did in 2018, I don't think, where we just had Spain on our side of the draw, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it could, it could, like you say, bit of luck and uh, play well, obviously. Then we could, could do some do something. I mean, I just hope it's on now, really. Uh that's the yep. main issue. Not, there's no guarantee that in 12 months' time we'll be able to go anyway. So, yeah, we uh, we watch and we wait and we uh, we keep our fingers crossed. Definitely, definitely. Daniel, thank you very much for for sharing your memories of that game, Croatia away in 2008. Absolute pleasure. Don't think I'm going to uh, get much praise from it from my friends for falling asleep on the toilet, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Thank you to Daniel Payne there, reliving that Croatia game in Zagreb back in 2008. Now you can follow Daniel on Twitter at DisaffectedSoul, at D-I-S-A-F-F-E-C-T-E-D-S-O-U-L. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you'd like to share your first away game, please do get in touch. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. Or you can email threelionspodcast at gmail.com. And that also applies if you are an England fan from overseas, which we also mentioned, and want to tell us how you follow the team. Always great to hear from you. Now, one thing quickly, uh, just wanted to give a mention to the supporters of Macclesfield Town, who saw their club dissolved on the 16th of September. Can't imagine what this feels like, as I think I probably said when Berry went as well. Uh, it's always the fans that I feel for. They've been through a lot in the recent past, through no fault of their own. Now, many of the players will have the opportunity to find other clubs and carry on doing what they enjoy. But the fans, where do they turn now? All because of off-the-pitch matters. As I mentioned, we've seen Berry go recently... And sadly, in this current climate, I do fear for some clubs and their supporters. It's all very well supporting financially sound clubs in the top flights, and many of us do, and myself included. But the local lower league clubs can be a main focal point in many communities. It would be such a shame to see more disappear. I'll leave it there for this episode. So until next time, look after yourselves, stay safe, Stay subscribed. Uh, If you have a mask, wear it where you need to, please. I know we've been hit with some more rules to abide by. Let's all try to get through this together. And then we can hopefully be in a position to meet up in more than just groups of six. Cheers. Cheers.